tell you everything is, but the best way I can say it is this, God's been good in my life, I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep Though I've had my share of hard times By my side He's always stood Yes, through it all God's been It's absurd, but still we choose to build our lives upon God's holy word. We know it's always perfect, we trust it in all things. It's holy and it's right, so whatever this life brings, we stand on what is stand on what is true. We stand unashamed no matter what the world may do. We stand upon this rock spoken by the Lord of all. And though other lives built on sand Spoken by the Lord of all And though 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now to the Christian flag. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one Savior, crucified, risen and coming again, with life and liberty to all who believe. All right. Come up here, Horatio. Come here. Come on. Oh, yeah. Come, Horatio. Go see Pastor. Come over here. Hold the Bible. Help me hold the Bible. Okay. Good. Ready? I'm going to pledge allegiance to the Bible. Ready? I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thank you. to have the Rogers and we're going to turn it over to Brother Rogers this morning and take time and whatever God's laid on his heart to share with us. Amen. It is good to be in Sunday school this morning. I'm glad you feel that way. I'd have felt bad if you didn't feel that way. Take your Bible if you would and turn to 1 Timothy Chapter number 2, 1 Timothy chapter number 2. We had a good time yesterday with the, the cookout and the, and the cornhole and the beautiful, beautiful afternoon. Couldn't have asked for a nicer day to get together and do something outside like that. And we just had a wonderful time. I've been looking forward to today and tonight. Make sure that you come back tonight. Uh, we'll have a, a wonderful time tonight as well. And you'll be glad that you came. I promise you will. In 1 Timothy chapter number 2, I'm going to start reading in verse number 1. If you're, uh, I know you just sat down, so just stay seated. But um, uh, watch closely as we read through the first several verses of this chapter. It says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. 
I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning for this Sunday school hour. And Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that uh, you would help us to see it with new eyes and that you would use it in our hearts and lives. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you would be hard-pressed to miss the subject matter of 1 Timothy chapter 2 when you're reading the first eight verses. It's pretty obvious what it's all about. It's all about praying, is it not? That's what those first eight verses are all about. That's what it's talking about. And it's something that we as born-again children of God, we, we have this wonderful privilege. You see, we can come into the presence of God anytime we want, night or day, for a long time, a short time, for something uh, life-altering or for something just small, and we can do it anytime we want. We don't have to go find a priest or a rabbi or a pastor, or uh, we don't have to go to a certain location or be in a certain position, or we don't have to light candles or count beads, or uh, we, we don't have to do any of those things. At any moment, we are just welcome right in the presence of God. Amen. It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege, is it not? Amen. But it's not just a privilege, it's also a responsibility. Because God tells us that we're supposed to do it, and about how and when and for whom we're supposed to do it. And it's all laid out right here in this passage in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. So that's what I want to... I wanna, talk to you about in Sunday school this morning. I almost said preach to you, but you're not supposed to preach in Sunday school, right? So so we'll just pretend I'm going to talk to you about it, okay, in Sunday school this morning. And it's this, prayer, both privilege and responsibility. Don't, don't forget that it's something God wants us to do and commands us to do, as well as the fact that it's a wonderful privilege that we get to do it. You see, he starts right off in the chapter with the exhortation to pray. And you can't miss it. He says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So there he just kind of lays it right out there and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to make supplications. Now, I went to the, to the old green 1828 dictionary uh, back when they knew how to speak English better than they do now, and, and checked out these words to see if there were shades of meaning that might be slightly different than we would normally assume. And it said for supplications, an entreaty, a petition, or an earnest request. So a supplication, is a, that's a serious issue. When you're bringing a supplication, you're bringing something serious. Aren't you glad that you can take serious stuff to God? I mean, there's some stuff that it would be serious and it would be life-altering for me. And if I told you about it, there's not a thing in the world you can do about it. You can't help. You can't fix it. All you can do is commiserate with me. That's all. But I can take it to God and he actually can help. He can change it and he can fix it. So we can take our supplications to God. And not only did he say supplications in verse 1, he said supplications and prayers. Now, when, when we use the word pray nowadays, we almost exclusively, we're talking about us talking to God, praying. The word pray itself 
just means to ask. That's all it means. It means I'm asking you for something. If you go back through classic literature of days gone by, you'll see the phrase over and over, I pray this, I pray thee this, and all it is is I'm asking you. That's, that's all they mean. And so the word pray itself just means that we're asking. So you can bring supplications to God where there's something serious and, it, and it's heavy on your heart, and you can bring lighter things and just ask. Any old time, as a matter of fact, I, that word, look at the, listen to the def- definition from Webster's 1828 Dictionary for the word prayer. In worship, a solemn address to the supreme being, consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confession of our sins, supplication for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for blessings on others, and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. That was definition number one for prayer in Webster's Dictionary in 1828. I promise you in 2023 that would be not that would not be anywhere included in the definition for prayer in Webster's Dictionary. As a matter of fact, they'd probably qualify a bunch of that as hate speech because it implies that we need forgiveness and and all that kind of thing. And that would be offensive to us today. And yet it's almost as if when they wrote down that definition in 1828, what they did is they went to the Bible and said, what is prayer? And they followed right down through this passage and listed it out. Amen. So you can bring supplications and prayers, but then he says in verse 1, intercessions. Now that's when, that's when I'm asking for somebody else. I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for somebody else. Last year, um, Liz had several uh, medical things. She was diagnosed with cancer in August, and uh, it kind of came out of the blue, and we were halfway, well, we were all the way on the other side of the country, and it was going to be a while before we got back home to Franklin, Kentucky, and to her, her doctor again. And, and they said, you need to go to the gynecological oncologist right away. Well, it was going to be a good month before we were home. And so we did a, a little bit of rearranging of things, and, and uh, we got back a little earlier than we had planned. And instead of staying on the, on the West Coast and in, North, in the Northwest, Uh, we hightailed it back to Franklin, Kentucky, and then I got a plane and flew to to our next meeting in Vancouver, Washington, while Liz made her doctor's appointment on Tuesday of that week. She called me that afternoon after she'd had her first appointment with the gynecological oncologist, and she said, uh, they said, yes, you need to have the surgery, and they can do it on Friday. Now, when was the last time you showed up at a doctor and had a test and they said, you need this procedure and you can do it three days from now? Usually it's six months down the road or it takes six months just to get the appointment and then it's another month before you see another person and then before you schedule surgery, you know, you could die before you schedule the surgery. So she had her first appointment on Tuesday. I flew back home Thursday, uh, Thursday. Uh, got into Nashville, and Friday morning we went over to the hospital. She had the surgery, and then we went back five, six weeks later for her checkup, and they said there's zero sign of cancer anywhere, 
There's nothing. There's no reason to do any chemo. There's no reason to do any radiation. We got it all. You're clear. And the oncologist said, don't ever, I, I don't ever want to see you again. Don't come back. Now, most of the time when people say, I don't ever want to see you again, don't come back, that hurts your feelings. But when the cancer doctor says, I don't ever want to see you again, don't come back, that makes you feel pretty good. You know what, you know what we attribute to all that? Of course, God did that. I mean, that it worked all together, it got done so quickly, it was so successful, and that's exactly what we had prayed for. It is. But it wasn't just us. It was people all over the place. It was people all over the country, and quite literally all over the world, praying that God would intervene on our behalf, and would would touch her body, and would make everything go smoothly and quickly, and that it would all be well. People were interceding. And we're supposed to do that. When you have prayer requests, you know, and, and you're praying someone has got this problem, someone is sick, someone has had this thing happen in their life, what they're asking is that you would intercede on their behalf to God. You're going to God and not saying, God, this is what I need and this is what I want. You're going to God and saying, she needs something. She needs help, Lord, and would you please help her? And, and you're interceding for others. You see, this is where it goes from just a privilege to a responsibility. Where God says, I want you to do this for each other now. You pray for each other and you make intercessions. And he says, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And giving of thanks. Don't, don't leave that out when you're praying. If you come to God with a thankful heart, it will, it will affect everything you pray about and everything you pray for. So we see the exhortation to pray, but then we see the exhortation of prayer. In other words, he tells us how to do it, who to do it for, why it needs to be done. Look at what it says in verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So he says, I want you to make supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks for all men. That just reminds us that God's love is so much different than ours. It really is. He says, I, I want you to give thanks for all men, pray for all men. Okay, there's nobody here but us, right? Can we just be honest? There's some people you probably don't like. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> but there are probably some people that you don't care for and you wouldn't want to spend all of your time with. There might be even some people you have some negative feelings toward. And you know what God says? Pray for them. Pray for them too. Just, you know, just in the last few weeks, we've seen horrible things happening over there in the Middle East and and, and just awful stuff going on and, and people getting killed and slaughtered and horrible stuff. And you look at people doing that stuff, and you think, I, I don't like those people. I don't like that. That's awful. And, and, and uh, you know, they'd be, we'd be better off if they were just all gone. Can I remind you that God loves them? And Jesus died for them, just like he died for you, just like he died for me. It's a reminder that God, you know, we, we're very fickle with who we like and who we don't like. People that are nice to us, we like. People that are not nice to us, we don't like. God loves them all. 
And if, and if God didn't have anything to do with people that don't like him, you may never have gotten saved and you'd be in hell right now. Amen? Because you didn't care much for him before you got saved. And yet he still loved you. Aren't you glad? And he loves those people as well. So he says, I, I want you to do this for all men, but then it, it narrows down even more. For kings. Now, we, we don't have a king. Thank God for that. We don't have a king. We, we fixed that problem several hundred years ago. We, we don't have a king. We don't have to worry about a king. And we don't have to worry about anybody else's king either or, or anybody else's royal family who accidentally ends up over here. We don't have to care about them or what they do. <laughs> they can just be as weird as they want. We don't, it's not our problem. Amen? But he says, I want you to pray for kings. Now, when this is being written, the Apostle Paul is in prison, he's in Rome. And the, the king is not really called the king, he's the emperor. And he's Nero. And he's crazy. And he's absolutely crazy. And he's slaughtering Christians. And while that is going on, God has the Apostle Paul write this down and say, I want you to pray for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority. Oh, that's, that's horrible. Thank God we don't have a king. We don't have an emperor. Instead, we have sort of a president. And whether you like him or not, he's the president. Amen? And you know what God would have you to do for him? Pray for him. So, but, but, but I don't like him, and I didn't vote for him. But listen, you may not like the next guy either, and you may not vote for them either. It doesn't really matter. God says, I want you to pray for them. Maybe you didn't like the last guy and didn't vote for him. doesn't matter. God says, I want you to pray for him. It's your job. You've got to pray for him. So, but, but I don't even like what he does, and, and I don't want the things that he does to prosper and do well. Nobody said you had to pray that the things he does would prosper. You just have to pray for him. Pray for him. You, you know what? You know what you could pray for our president? The most important thing in all the world, that he would get saved. He's a lost man. He doesn't know God. He claims to be a Catholic, and he's not even a good one of those. Really, he's not. He doesn't understand anything about the Bible doesn't understand anything about God. He's just a lost man being a lost man. That's what he is. His greatest need is salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes we look at that and we think that, well, that's never going to happen. He's never going to get saved. You don't know that. You don't know that's never going to happen. Listen, while Paul was in prison in Rome in the book of Philippians, do you remember how he closed it out? He said, and those of Caesar's household salute you. What happened while Paul was in prison in Rome? He witnessed to people right there in Rome in Caesar's household and people got saved. They didn't even understand while they were keeping Paul locked up, they were bringing the gospel right into the, into the halls of, of government and people were having their lives transformed. If God can do that in Rome, God can do that in Washington, D.C. Surely he can. Pray that, pray that God would send somebody who knows the Lord across the president's path and give them an opportunity to give him the gospel, give him a tract, do something. 
and, and just enough for the Holy Spirit of God to get a hold of his heart. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly and I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm going to be honest with you. Our president is mentally incapacitated. He's, he's fading fast. He is. If you've ever dealt with anybody that has dementia or Alzheimer's or any of that stuff, you have seen this a million times. You know what it looks like, and you know he is sliding down and sliding down quickly. You ought to pray that before he completely loses his mental faculties, somebody will give him the gospel so that he's still clear enough to understand it and trust Christ as Savior. It's, a, it's an urgent matter. He needs to get saved. Can you imagine if while, I believe he's in Delaware this weekend, uh, can you imagine if while he's in Delaware this weekend, somebody delivers pizza to the house and, and takes the opportunity and gives him a track and he reads the thing and trusts Christ as Savior. Can you imagine the press conference next week? When, when he, you know, he goes off script and says, hey, let me tell you what happened last week in Delaware. This guy gave me a little paper, told me about how Jesus died for me and I could be saved. And I got, it'd be the last press conference he ever gave, but it'd be a good one. Amen. At that point, they'd say he's crazy and throw him out. But wouldn't that be exciting? What if his wife got saved? That'd be something, wouldn't it? You can pray for him. You don't have to pray that things that are not right would prosper, but you pray for him Pray that somebody would come across his path and give him the gospel. My wife and I went over, over across the fence over there uh, to uh, Lidl yesterday. She likes Lidl, and there are none of those around where we live. And, and so we went in there, and we walked through there. And when we came out the door, this nice lady smiled at us, said, Jesus loves you, and handed us a, a gospel tract. And it's a good one, too. It was printed by the Fellowship Track League over there in, in Lebanon, Ohio. The gospel just plain and clear right there on there. And we thanked her profusely. And then we took a selfie with her and sent it off to, to the pastor of the church out there where they print the tracks and said, Hey, we just got one of your tracks over here in Maryland today. And he's all excited. If that can happen to us walking out of a grocery store, that can happen to Joe Biden somewhere. There can be a Secret Service guy, there could be an aide who just slips a track on his desk and he reads it and gets saved. Wouldn't that be exciting? I'm telling you, that's something worth praying for because that would be great. Pray for, pray for salvation, pray for wisdom. Listen, he makes decisions that affect our lives or whoever's in charge makes those decisions and he signs off on them. And you ought to pray that God would give him wisdom to make right decisions. He needs to make right decisions. Pray that God would give him health. He needs to stay healthy enough to get saved. Amen? And, and you, don't, you don't want him to die in office or, or, or something like that. Trust me, that would be an awful thing. It really would. It would be a lot of confusion and it would be a horrible mess and it would just create problems everywhere. Uh, pray that God gives him enough health to finish out his term. You should pray that he and, and the vice president and all the rest would be willing to follow God. You know, most of the people in our, in our legislative branch, the senators, the congressmen, most of them, I promise you, they do know right from wrong. They, they may not do it, but they do know, really. And you should pray that God 
would help them to do what's right and make right decisions. You need to pray that whatever evil works they try to do, those would fail. There's nothing wrong with praying that. Pray that if they, if they try to do anything against the word of God, that it would fail and fail quickly. Amen? Amen. You, can, you can pray for kings and for all who are in authority, right on down to the, the governor and the mayor and the, and the city council and the school board. You ought to pray that way for all of them, because quite honestly, their greatest need is just that they know Jesus. It really is. If some of them would get saved, it would transform everything. And God can do that. If God saved you, he can save them. Amen? Don't forget, it says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. There have been plenty of times down through history where an ungodly leader made right decisions that honored God. And we ought to pray that that would happen even when we have messed up leaders in Congress and, and all over the place. They can make the right decisions. Every once in a while, the Supreme Court makes a right decision. Thank God for that. It doesn't always happen, but every once in a while it does. It, can I just be honest with you? I, I'm old now. I'm old as dirt. Um, yeah, it's true. It's true. I turned 60 back in August. So I'm basically dead and just don't know it yet. <laughs> I've been around a little while. And, and quite honestly, we never really thought that Roe versus Wade would get overturned. Nobody really ever thought that. We had, we, it, was a, it was a far off hope and we thought, boy, that would sure be nice. None of us ever even thought it was possible. Because you know, the first thing they ask any Supreme Court justice before they're being confirmed is, will you pledge to not turn, overturn Roe versus Wade? And they all do. They're just a bunch of lying scum, amen? <laughs> Sorry, this is Sunday school. But yeah, you pray for them because they make right decisions sometimes. And you pray for those decisions. I promise you when that got overturned, there have been people who've been praying for that for decades. Really. And it looked like it would never happen, but people still prayed. And God worked in that thing. So that when it came around, I mean, it became a matter of law and whether this is good law or not, and it's not good law, and they had the honesty to look at it and throw it out. Thank God for that. Listen, that, that's an answer to prayer. You ought to pray for those who are in leadership positions, whether you agree with them at the moment or not, whether they're good, upstanding, moral, righteous people or not, doesn't really matter. Pray for them anyway, because God can move their hearts and move their thought process. Then we see the exhortation from the Savior. It says, uh, look down here in verse number 2, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Why do you pray for your leaders and those who are in authority so that you can lead a quiet and peaceable life? Well, that sounds a little bit selfish there. Isn't that, isn't that just selfish if I pray for them just so I can have a quiet life and everything goes well with me? Well, it says it's acceptable to God. That's a good thing as far as God is concerned. And then he tells us in verse 3 and verse number 4 why it's a good thing. Again, verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved 
and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Why does God put a, a, a high level of importance on us living a quiet and peaceable life? According to the Bible, it's because he wants all men to be saved. So, well, how, how do you put those things together? Well, if we live a quiet and peaceable life, you know what we can focus on? We can focus on reaching people in our area with the gospel and sending missionaries around the world to reach others with the gospel. Do you know why the United States of America has been able to send out missionaries by the thousands over the last couple hundred years? Because we've led a quiet and peaceable life. That's why. Amen. We've been able to focus on the, the job of spreading the gospel instead of the job of surviving. If you're trying to survive, it's hard to focus on spreading the gospel around the world. I promise you there are, there are people in Ukraine today who would like to be sitting like we're sitting and, and hearing from the word of God and they'd like to have a board on the back with letters from their missionaries and they'd like to send some more people to start some more churches. But you know what they're doing instead today? They're trying to find a place where they might be able to get together where a bomb is not going to fall on them. That's their main focus this morning. We've got to stay alive and we've got to stay together. And they're not thinking about sending missionaries around the world. They're not thinking about outreach to this community over here and that community over there and picking up these kids for Sunday school. They're, they're not thinking about that this morning. They're thinking about how do we stay alive this week and not make ourselves a target. It's true. We don't have to worry about that this morning. We live a quiet and peaceable life. And so we can focus on spreading the gospel because God wants all men to be saved. You see, that, that kind of takes care of the idea of the Reformed theology thought that God only plans to save certain people and certain people can be saved and certain people can't be saved and there will only be this many. You won't find that in the Bible. That's not there. God wants everybody to be saved. Everybody. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter where they're from. He wants them all saved. And if we live a quiet and peaceable life, it's acceptable with God because he wants us to focus on reaching the world with the gospel. And then he just reminds us a little bit about our God. Verse 5, the exhortation about the Savior. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Notice he said there's one God and one mediator between God and men. It's not somebody somewhere in a building that I have to go to to talk to God for me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who said he would never leave me and never forsake me. And so I have him with me always. And there, that means I have access to God all the time. Because my mediator is not some guy somewhere. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful blessing to know that. We, we call it, there's, there's a fancy theological term for it. We call it the priesthood of the believer. Remember in the Old Testament when they had the tabernacle, when they had the temple, the only ones who could go into the, into the holiest place, the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelt over the Ark of the Covenant, the only ones who could go in there were the high priests. And they could only go in at certain times of year for certain things, and they had to make sure everything was okay with them, or they could be struck dead when they walked through that veil. And, and it, was, it was rough stuff. 
You know what happened when Jesus died on the cross? The veil in the temple was ripped apart. I mean, just there it went, ripped right apart. You know what God was saying? You don't have to wait for some priest to come in here and talk to me. He said, now the door is wide open. You just march right in here because Jesus just died on the cross for you. And he is your mediator. And now you can walk right into the Holy of Holies. What a wonderful God we have. Amen. It's a wonderful, wonderful thought about our Savior who is our mediator between God and men. We don't have to go find a, a priest or a bishop or a pope or an elder or any other kind of thing. We can just go talk to God at any point. And then look down here. Again, it says in this passage in verse 6, who gave himself a ransom for all. Remember it said in verse 4, he said he would have all men to be saved. So who did Jesus give himself a ransom for? Who did he die for? All. Again, that does away with the idea that Jesus only died for a certain number of people. No, the Bible says he wants all to be saved, and he died for all. I mean, all who would accept him, all who would reject him, doesn't matter. He died for all, and anybody can take advantage of that and get saved. That's why we send the gospel as far as we possibly can, so that it can go to everybody, and they have an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, look at verse number 8. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, he already told us in the first few verses, I want you to pray, and here's how I want you to pray, here's who I want you to pray for. And it's like he gets down to verse 8 and says, now, just in case you forgot what I told you in the first few verses, I want you to pray. And I want you to pray, look at what it says, everywhere. Whoa, everywhere. Not just when you come to church, not just when it's time to pray before the meal or pray, you know, for the offering or, no, he says, I want you to pray everywhere. Over in 1 Thessalonians, you know, he said, pray without ceasing. So he said, I want you to pray everywhere and I want you to pray all the time. Now that kind of does away with the thought that you have to go to a certain place, doesn't it? Right. It's everywhere. And that you have to be in a certain position or posture and all that kind of thing. No, you should be able to pray everywhere all the time. That means when you you have an extended period and you're going to pray for 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes, an hour, that's wonderful. That's great. You can get down on your knees and and that's great. If you're driving down the road in your car and you need to pray, you can pray right then. Listen, we drive a lot. We drive a lot. Uh, Tomorrow, this is Sunday, right? Tomorrow's Monday. Uh, I'm going to drive... 10 and a half, 11 hours to get back to the house tomorrow. That's a long drive. We do that a lot. We really do. We do it a lot. I listen to uh, books on audio. I listen to sermons on audio. Uh, I listen to all that stuff. And you know what else I get to do while I'm driving for endless hours during the day? I get to talk to God. Amen. Just talk to God. And there are sometimes when it's nice and leisurely and 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 there are other times when somebody uh, cuts us off in traffic and I and I have to do it very quickly. <laughs> kind of like, help, you know. And God is paying just as much attention to the help as he is to when I'm down here praying for somebody else or something else. What a wonderful God. 
that he's ready to listen to me anytime I want to talk to him. And by the way, he's the only one that can fix everything anyway. So it's a good thing. Pray all the time and pray everywhere. Let me, let me just tell you this in closing. My, my mother, prayer, prayer has no expiration date. There's no expiration date. You say, well, well, well I'm going to pray about it every day because I want God to do this. Well, there's nothing wrong with praying about it every day. But don't forget that if you accidentally miss a day, that doesn't mean God's cut you off on that day. He's still, I mean, the prayers you prayed the day before that still count. They do. God didn't say, oh, you didn't say those words today. I'm going to do something bad now. No, that's not what God does. It's not who our God is. My, my mother was uh, the oldest of, I think there were six kids in the family. She, when she and her sister, her only full sister, were um, just little, their father left. I never, never met my, my grandfather. He just abandoned them. Uh, and nobody, nobody ever had many details about any of it. She was just a little bitty when it happened. And my grandmother remarried a much older man who already had grown children and then had several more children that were my, my mother's half-brothers and sisters. And he was not really interested in raising the kids that were not his. That just that was not on his radar. And so my mother ended up spending her summers with her grandparents. It was out in the country. Her grandfather, my great-grandfather, was a Methodist lay minister. And he would, he would go from little church to little church out in the country and fill in wherever they need somebody to fill in. And uh, she, she remembered a, a lot about him. We'd sit and talk about him. She said he was a good preacher. He was, he was rough and he was loud. And uh, he said, she said, boy, could he ever preach? And then her grandmother played the pump organ, taught her how to play the organ, taught her how to play the piano, and she'd spend the summers with them on the farm. She said those were the best summers of her life, were those summers on the farm with her grandparents. When mom passed away and we were cleaning out her stuff, I found some graduation announcements when she graduated from high school. And some cards that people had sent her. One was from her grandmother, my great-grandmother. And it said, you know, Evelyn, we love you. And it said, we pray for you often. And we pray that your children someday will serve God. Now, that's my great-grandmother, who was dead long before I ever showed up on the scene. But she had prayed for her granddaughter, my mother, that her children, me, would serve God. So every time I get up there, you know what's happening? God is answering my great-grandmother's prayer who died long before I showed up. Amen. There's no expiration date on prayer. Listen, some of the stuff you pray about now, some of the people you pray for now, you might not see the answer right now. It might not come till you're in heaven. But God doesn't say, well, you know, it's been 30 days since he prayed that, so that one's invalid now. We've got to clean out the inbox. God has a big inbox, amen? He doesn't have to clean it out and empty it out. No, there's no expiration date on prayer. Go ahead, pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids, even if you don't have any yet. Pray that God would work in their lives and use them because God still answers prayer.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. God, I pray these simple thoughts from this chapter would be a help and encouragement. Lord, help us not to forget the wonderful privilege that we have, but also, Lord, don't help us, uh, help us to not forget the wonderful responsibility that goes along with it. And we'll just thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That was good, wasn't it? Amen. You know, every time Mark teaches or preaches, there's something that he brings out. And it's because he has a knowledge of the character of God. Amen. Because there's a lot of things we do and a lot of things Christians do in the name of Jesus that have nothing to do with him. Exactly. What he brought out today was from a man that opposed God. Now he's writing on what we should do, what's right to do. And you trace it all the way back to God's character. Every message, he connects us. Mark connects us some way with the character of God, and that's important. And when you when you get your little cliches and get your little ditties that you do and call them spiritual, you better you better check with God. Amen. 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 You okay, Archie? He's bashful. Good to see good to see Bethany back. She was not feeling well yesterday. And so uh, she was tired from she was tired. She's been been busy. How many of you are tired? We need. Come on, Eli. You make people tired. You're not tired. You 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 coach them, right? You're supposed to make them tired. Are you tired of making them tired? They make them tired. They don't listen, do they? So so uh, good to see everybody here. And Elizabeth, how you doing, Elizabeth? She not say I'm not getting my way. Everybody, look at her. She'll be quiet. So tonight we're going to sing. We're going to have some singing. So get with Brother uh, Mark early and often if you need him to play. Get with, with Marissa um, and 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 get 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 some get your songs together. Don't wait. Don't wait. And we're going to have some. Brother Beard uh, and his family are coming from their church, and they're going to be here to, to tonight to sing, and uh, we'll just have a good time. You never know what's going to, you know, might even hear the old speckled bird. That is a gospel one. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. morning with blessings untold a precious loving family and a house that we call home the promise of eternal life because of calvary the peace that settled in my heart since the day he saved me
Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Lord, no tears. 
Sometimes on the mountain where the sun shines so bright, God leads his dear children along. Then sometimes through the valley in the darkest of night, God leads his dear children. Some through 
some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Some through great sorrow, but God Could it be that we're so heavenly minded that somehow we've been blinded to what he's calling us to do right here? Could it be that heaven's always planted, that we leave here empty handed when this life disappears? But is it really living if my one ambition is simply hanging on till we all get out of here? I don't want to waste a breath, one heart beating in this chest. I want to see his kingdom come in. I won't wish my life away. away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. When I think of all that I've been given and what I've learned from living, I know exactly what I need to do so I pray that God will give me chances to show how great his grace is by living out his truth if somehow I could choose it 
Psalm 20, verse number 6. It says, Now I know that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. It's a wonderful promise from God, and we are going to sing it. And we start in verse 7 and then sing verse 8 and then go back and sing verse 6. So don't get confused. We start in verse number 7. Psalm 20, here's how it goes. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Do that again. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now I know that the Lord saved his anointed. He will hear him from his holy saving strength of his right hand they are brought down and fallen but we are risen and stand upright some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the lord our god some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the lord our god did you follow that all right, let's try it together now. Some of you already knew it, and you were singing along. That's good. Some of you hadn't heard it before, but now you know how it goes. Verse 7, verse 8, verse 6, and then you go back to the beginning. All right, here we go. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust 
in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now I know that the Lord saved his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You just have to remember that your strength doesn't come from your stuff or yourself. It comes from God. Amen. Let's stand up and do it one more time. Ooh, you think they can handle it this time? All right. <laughs> Here we go. Verse 7, verse 6, verse 8. Here we go. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now I know that the Lord saved his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Let's get around and shake hands with each other. Welcome each other.
right, well, for some of you that do not know, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Amen. So this morning, I want to just take a few minutes, and I want to appreciate our pastor. So I want any, if anybody has a testimony they would like to share, I'd like to please share it real quick. Anybody? Brother Tim? I like, I like to appreciate Pastor. You know, he, he calls you just randomly and says, you know, I was just praying for you this morning. You know, that really means a lot. That means a lot. It helps, helps you get through the day, especially, you know, when you're, when you're having a rough time or something and he calls and says, you know, it just really means a lot. I appreciate it. Amen. Brother Walt? Amen. Bethany? Um, two things. One, uh, that our pastor is not the kind of pastor that tries to put one of you on your life or tell you what to do. Instead, he gives you sermons that you need to hear. He doesn't always know. God knows that. And he lets God direct you. And he's there to show you. And you always know he loves his people. That's never a question. Even the times that you don't understand quite why something's the way it is, I never have a doubt that, there, that it's done out of love to the people and out of direction from God. And that's a huge, huge blessing. Because I haven't always been in churches that God told me to. So that's very important. Amen. Miss Neely, you had your hand up. So far, or it's not going to be somebody who has 
Amen. So as a as an appreciation, we have something for you, Pastor. Now some of this came from help, some help from Miss Pam. Oh. Is it edible? <laughs> some of it is, yes. Some, some of it is edible. I got some yes. time. Oh, thank you. Wow. I wanted to. A new shotgun. A doghouse mug. No, salt, and salt and pepper shaker. Salt and pepper shaker. And what is this? Oh, it's an umbrella for hunting. So I guess I'm supposed to hunt in the rain now. <laughs> and then a bash pro shot. And a bash pro shot. Okay, thank you so much. And venison snack sticks. What's this box? Is this just a? It's an ammo box. Oh, an ammo box. Okay, so I'm. So I've got to. I've got to buy some more ammo. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We want to appreciate you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Appreciate you all. I love you all. Go ahead, Brother Mark. simplicity of Christ, the complexities of life, with simple things our Lord confounds the wise, the completion of the cross, salvation for the lost, the love of God so simple, so profound, so simple, so profound, the love of Jesus, so profound that even angels can't perceive, so simple that a child can grasp the glory, the love of God, so simple, so profound. The perplexities today in a fallen human could unravel with acceptance of God's grace. Simply bow your knee to pray, confess the Lord today. Profoundly He will turn your life around. Of Jesus, 
so profound that even angels can't perceive. So simple that a child can grasp the glory, the love of God, so simple, so
And I don't have much to offer him Nothing in my hand I have to bring But I'm glad he took my place Aren't you glad he took your place Now we're feasting at the table of the I think there's a uh, key on that piano he hadn't hit today. <laughs> he uses them all, amen? amen? I don't like dead music. This is not a funeral parlor, is it? <laughs> amen? Uh, we, uh, I like that. I like that. And our songs are, always have a message. Amen? Amen. Well, uh, next Sunday, don't forget Sunday school next Sunday, we'll continue with our doctrines. And we're really going to zero in on the assurance verses. Uh, don't, you, don't you go a minute after you've been saved, according to the Word of God, thinking you're not. Amen. Don't do that. That's a setback. That's a satanic setback. And any, any wingnut preacher that will get up and say, that you can you can lose your salvation, or any person that does not choose his words properly and says things like, "I can't see how a Christian could fill in the blank," that they, they they just they're just not they're just not Bible believers. Amen. And uh, once saved, always saved. Right. And we want to make sure that we base it not on Pastor Creed, Amen. Pastor uh, on the church, but on the Word of God. Amen. And so we'll have that, and I uh, want you to invite people to be part. We're gonna we're gonna start uh, we're gonna start asking you to help us enroll people in Sunday school, and you be here and bring somebody with you, and everybody ought to go to Sunday school, and so uh, we'll do that. And so don't forget that. Also, uh, teachers and officers meeting teachers meeting on six thirty, and we'll meet in front of the house, and then outreach next Sunday evening. Who's cooking for next Sunday evening? Oh, my. So prime rib and um, so we'll have something good. Amen. Okay. And uh, so uh, be, be, be here for that. And, uh, and we're excited about that. Let's get out there and sow the gospel seed. Now, a couple dates in, in November and December that I wanted you, and we'll put something up on the screen. I'm sure Bethany will get the dates and put it up there for me. But uh, November 12th, we're going to have Brother Bales going to be coming by. John Bales, we haven't had him in a while. and be good to see him. And he's still traveling and preaching. And uh, Brother Bales, Miss Bales will be with us. They've been through, gone through some health problems, and but they'll be with us for that Sunday. And then December 17th, we're going to have Brother Kaiser. Brother Kaiser has moved his membership uh, to the church in, uh, in, in Dover and, and, uh, he is going out of Dover and, uh, let me, let me get this letter here. I didn't bring, I didn't bring all my brains to the pulpit, but, uh, but he, uh, he's got a, he's got his organization that he, he's, he's really, God's really moved on his heart, uh, to, to reach fourth, uh, 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 Fourth grade through eighth graders, which is a which is a transitional time, and his and his 
the organization is named Junior's Journeying for Jesus. And he's going to be, be doing that. And he's coming out of Capitol Baptist Church. Of course, we know and love Brother Kaiser. And we know that he knows how to deal with young people. Amen? And cares about him. And so we appreciate him. Uh, and, and he'll be by in December to, to, to spend some time with us. Looking ahead, just want to share with you some things. We need, to, we need to really, as a congregation, pray that God would give us a place for our church start. Okay? Uh, there's, there's places all over that need churches. Uh, we need more churches around here. Amen? Uh, we're not reaching everybody that, that can be reached, and there's other people that can reach other people, and, and we need to pray for that. But we need to start praying that God gives us a place where we can start uh, <laughs> that church. Also, uh, we're working. I've had a man come by and talk to us about a split system for air conditioning and, and heating uh, where we would take all this up here that Tim loves when, it, when he's doing prayer requests, when it makes noise and comes on. that You love it, don't you? And take all the pipes out and all the, have to, not have to pay the exorbitant uh, oil payments. We paid, what, what did we pay per month? What are you doing? Uh, we paid $1,400 $1, a month for oil last year. Amen. And we had some people take some oil, didn't we? Where did we bury them? Uh, but anyhow, but, 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 but we're going to, it, it, it'll, it'll alleviate a lot. And so we're working on that. In, 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 in conjunction with that, fellas, we're going we're gonna to reconfigure this roof, take this, raise this up a little bit, and uh, get some, we need, we're, we're Baptists, so we need some chandeliers, amen? But, yeah, but, uh, but uh, we're going to redo, redo the inside here and, and work on that. And so that's going to be, we're going to need your help, uh, but we're going to need your muscles, and we're going to need your money, M&M, amen? And so we'll have to give to that. And uh, we'll work toward that. So uh, be, be part of what's going on. Amen? Well, let's have the ushers come and receive the offering. Uh, God's tithes and our offerings. Let's give the Lord directs. Thank you for the appreciation. I appreciate you more. Uh, how many years has it been? 17 or 18? How many years? 17, and you're still coming back to church? Uh you, you, uh, you folks, you folks, uh, everybody, your kindness and, and what you do and your faithfulness uh, mesmerizes me. I, I don't get, a, I haven't gotten over, I don't get over your faithfulness and your love for the Lord. And by the way, um, I couldn't be the pastor I am without my wife. Amen. Amen. And thank God for her. She stood by me, um, writes my sermons and... Um, And she, she is she is one of my main sources of illustration. So appreciate that. Amen. Especially with the lost things, the lost sheep and the lost phone and the glasses and all that. Amen. Appreciate that. What's that? Everybody's gonna spoil we that's what we that's our responsibility. We spoil the kids and send them home. Amen. Abina, good to see you. How you doing, Abina? How long you been back? Monday. Well, good to see. How was your trip? Good. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's pray and let's give us God directs. Darian, pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the uh, wonderful uh, services that we're having so far, God. 
uh, be with the gift and the giver, Lord, in the rest of the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guess what? Guess what? In a minute, Brother Rogers is going to tell us about a man that ran around with no clothes on. Are you kidding me? Something's wrong with somebody runs around without clothes, right? And there was devils in this guy. And he's going to talk to us about that. But guess what? He came to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, guess what happens? He got saved, but he got his, put his clothes on. Amen? I want you to remember that. When, when you're saved, you put your clothes on. Right, Archie? Archie's praying. Amen. Amen. So we're going to hear that in a minute. I want you guys, I want you all to sit up like you always do, okay? All right? Don't mess with Elizabeth. Okay? Leave her alone. And and, and, and and pay attention, okay? Yeah, do this, do this. Do this for me. Can you do that? Okay, good, good, amen. Amen. We're going to sing Jesus Loves Me and you get a treat, okay? Here we go. Jesus loves me this time. retreat back to your seat thank you thank you thank you
you glad that our God is that way amen? amen that when we do stupid stuff he's just ready for us to come back amen ready for us to get right and follow him take your Bible if you would and turn the book of Mark Mark chapter number five when you find Mark chapter five if you're able to stand easily would you stand with me as we read the word of God Mark chapter number five Thank you for being in church on Sunday morning. Uh, there's no place I'd rather be on Sunday morning than in church. Amen. 
Mark chapter number 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. It says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of that country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid, and they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine, and they begin to pray him to depart out of their coasts. I want to preach to you on this subject this morning. Dear Jesus, please go away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here this morning in your house. Lord, thank you that we can sing and rejoice and fellowship, but God, we are we are so pleased and glad of the privilege to open your word and know that you have something to say to us and allow your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today. God, if there's somebody here today who doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way, but that today might be the day of salvation. We'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is preaching to a multitude of people on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And when it gets down to the end of the day and the sun starts to go down, he says to the disciples, get the boat, we're going to go to the other side. And so they get the boat together and, and they get on the boat and Jesus finds a comfortable place in the boat and goes to sleep. And they head out across the Sea of Galilee that night. And as they're out there in the sea, the wind starts to come up and the waves start to come up and things start to get rough. And, and these men realize that they are in serious trouble. Now, uh, these, many of these men are commercial fishermen, if you will. They spent their life out on the Sea of Galilee. That's where they make their livelihood. They know when a storm is just going to pass and they know when it's a bad storm. And this is a bad storm. As a matter of fact, <coughs> it's so severe that these seasoned fishermen realize the ship is going down, they're taking on water, and they're going to die. And so as they're, as they're fighting to keep the ship upright and keep the water out of the boat, somebody said, why don't we wake Jesus up? <laughs> He's still asleep. 
And so they went and they woke him up and he came up on the, on the boat and Jesus did what Jesus does in a storm. When you find Jesus in the middle of a storm in the New Testament, he does pretty much the same thing. He says, peace be still, the storm just stops. I mean, just like that. And then he rebuked them for their lack of faith. Now, by that time, the storm is over now, the sun is coming up, and they are reaching the other side where they intended to go. But after a night like that, listen, they've had no rest, they've had no sleep, they've been up all night long fighting the storm and bailing water and trying to keep everything together. The adrenaline has been pumping, they've been at a high level of energy and excitement. Now the storm is done, the sun is out, and there's that... I mean, you just crash after you've had all that excitement all night long and the adrenaline's been pumping. Now, all of a sudden, it's just you're just wiped out, exhausted, ready to rest. And they probably think when we get to the other side, we'll we'll pull up. People will come to hear Jesus. We can sit down under a tree. We can lay in the boat. We can rest. We can get our energy built back up and it'll be a wonderful day. And then they get to the other side and they get off the boat. And they realize now that someone else has been watching all of this unfold. It's this man who lives up on the hillside in the tombs. And the Bible tells us that this man, he's a a mess. He's possessed with devils. And he's stripped off all of his clothes. And he runs through town. The first time he did it, they, they chained him up. And then he broke the chains. And they realize something's not right here. And the next time he stripped off his clothes and ran through town, uh, they chained him up and then they put shackles on his arms and they put shackles on his legs and he just ripped them off. And then they realized they've got a bigger problem here than they know how to deal with. And, and now when he runs through the town and he's got all of his clothes stripped off and he's screaming and breaking things and hurting people, all you can do is go lock yourself in your house and hide. And then he moved up on the hillside and he's living in the tombs and he's been cutting himself with stones and he's covered in scars and blood and his hair is sticking out and it's all matted and nasty and, and his beard is all nasty and, and he's just a horrible sight. He's got a chain hanging from this leg and a shackle hanging from this arm and that man up there in that tombs. Listen, you don't get there overnight. You don't end up in the tombs, naked, cutting yourself, screaming all night long, full of devils overnight. You don't just leave work one day and then end up like that. This is the culmination of a life that has been lived in opposition to God for a long, long time. And he's made wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision. And each time the devil gets a little more of his life until now, he's got nothing left. His family is gone, his career is gone, his reputation is gone, his community is gone. He is all alone and he screams all night long up on that hillside. That man saw the boat pull up to the shore. And he had the first clear-minded thought that he had had in years. And he thought, I think that man can help me. I don't know if he saw the storm just miraculously stop. He may have. Because it would have been just as stormy on his side and all of a sudden it just stops and the sun comes out. He may have realized something's unusual, but he said, I think that man can help me. And now he's running down the hillside. Can you imagine? The disciples are out of the boat. They're looking for a place to rest. And now here comes this naked man, hair out to here, a chain over here and a shackle over there. He's covered in scars and blood and filth. And he's probably screaming as he's running down the mountainside and he's headed right at them. And now they've realized we're not going to get any rest. 
This is not going to be a nice day. And now, don't ever forget, the people in the Bible were not different than people now. They just lived at a different time, that's all. But they thought like we think, and they felt like we feel, and they had the same kind of emotions. And now, if any of you guys, if you were, if you were one of the disciples, you've got Jesus with you, this guy is running down the hill screaming at you, the first thing you would do is assume a defensive posture, right? I mean, you're not going to let him tackle Jesus. And so you're going to get in front of Jesus and you're going to stop him. And John probably has a stick in his hand and Peter's got a big rock and James is going to trip him and Matthew's going to tackle him and they've got a plan. When he gets down here, he's not getting Jesus. And then somewhere along the line, Miss Mona, I hope we get to watch the replay when we get to heaven. Because there's a lot of stuff we don't, we don't know just from the, from the narrative. I mean, it's just a pretty general narrative. But somewhere along the line, Jesus must have said to them, let him through. Because he comes right to Jesus. And that's not natural. They would have stopped him. But Jesus must have said, just move aside, let him through. You know, Jesus did that before. You remember when the little children were all over him and they were crawling up on him and the disciples were going to chase him all away. And what did Jesus say? Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. He's done this before where he said, just leave them alone, let them come. And I suspect he said to the disciples, step aside, let him come. Listen, John's still got his stick. He's moved aside, but he's got his stick. Peter's still got his rock. James is still ready to trip him and, and tackle him. And, and, and they're watching close, but Jesus said move. So they moved. And here he comes, and he lands right at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, Jesus knows what's wrong. He knows it's devils. And he says, come out. And then he says, what's your name? And they said, our name is Legion, for we are many. And they are many. Listen, when they come out, they go into a herd of 2,000 pigs. It would not be a stretch to imagine there's a couple thousand devils in this man. And he is a mess. And then a strange thing begins to happen in this passage. It's a weird passage of Scripture because the devils are talking to Jesus. They're going back and forth. They're having a conversation. He asked their name. They told him their name. And then they said, we would like to stay in this country. You've told us to come out. We know we're going to come out. We'd like to stay in this country. Is that not weird? That's weird. Do you suppose there are some places where the devil just likes to be? Maybe places where he has a little more freedom. Places where he has a little more control and he can do what he wants to do. This is evidently one of those places because they said, we would like to stay in this country. And Jesus doesn't argue with them at all. And then they said, there's a herd of swine over there. Can we go into the swine? You've told us to come out. We're going to have to come out. Can we go into the swine? And your Bible says Jesus gave them leave. In other words, he said to those devils, yes, you may. You can come out of this man You can go into those pigs, and that's exactly what they do. They come out of the man, they go into the pigs, and then the pigs immediately just go nuts and run down the hill, jump off the cliff, and drown in the Sea of Galilee. Again, is that not strange? Just think about it. I mean, they asked to go into the pigs. Jesus let them go into the pigs, and so they immediately killed the pigs. But when you think about it some, you realize all that the devil really can do is kill and destroy. It's what he does. He doesn't make anything better. He doesn't improve anything. 
He ruins things and he kills things. He destroys things. That's what he does. And he's already, he's destroyed this man's life, taken everything that he has except his life. I mean, everything else is gone. So as soon as they come out of the man, they go into the pigs. But really, if you think about it, it's kind of hard to ruin a pig's life. I mean, he lives in slop. What do you do to ruin a pig's life? You, you make him leave the sow or kick his piglets or what? How do you ruin a pig's life? It's just difficult. About your only, only option left is to kill him, right? So that's what they do. They just kill them. Boom. Because that's what the devil does. And all of a sudden, here's this man down here. He's got clothes on now. He's in his right mind. He's talking intelligently. He's talking to the Savior. And the guys who were up there herding the pigs said, there's trouble going on. And they run into town. They said, hey, all the pigs are dead. And the crazy guy, he's down there. He's talking to Jesus. And he looks normal now and all is well. You better come out here and see what's going on. And the townspeople come running. And at that moment, does it not make sense? That they would at the very least have said to Jesus, thank you for solving that man's problem. Amen. I mean, this guy's been a terror in this town for who knows how long, and he's terrified everybody, and he's done awful things, and thank you for fixing that. Wouldn't it be logical they would at least say that? They don't. Maybe, maybe it would be logical to think not only would they say thank you for fixing his problem, but, you know, at this point in, in Jesus' ministry, Everywhere he went, they, they brought sick people to him so that he could heal them. They, came with, they were flocking by the multitudes. It would make sense that these people have at least heard of Jesus. And they might have said, thank you for fixing that. And uh, if you'll just stay here for a little while, we've got some sick people back in town that we want to bring to you. And can you teach us for a little while? And that would have been perfectly normal. And they didn't do that. Instead, you know what they did? They said, we want you to go away. You need to leave now. Not thank you for that. Not we have some more people who need help. Just you need to leave now. Go away. And can I tell you, it's dangerous to tell Jesus to go away. Because you know what he does? He doesn't argue with them. He doesn't say, oh, no, no, I should stay. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say another word to the crowd. You know what he does? He gets in the boat. And he goes away. It's dangerous to tell Jesus to go away because he might just go away. If you, you tell him to leave you alone long enough, he might just leave you alone. And you don't want that to happen. That's a tragedy when that happens. And they said, just go away. And so he left. And you look at it and you wonder, why would they do such a thing? I submit to you this morning, the same reason they told him to go away is why people still tell him to go away today. And they do. They still do. First of all, they told him to go away because he reminded them of their sin. People don't like to be reminded of their sin. You see, when Jesus showed up, he dealt with the sin issue and took care of that. And people don't like to think that their problems are the result of sin. They had gotten used to the crazy guy who lived in the tombs and screamed all night. Listen, the first time he ran through town naked, it was a scandal and it was scary. And the second time it was bad. And when he broke the chains, it was horrible. And, and he broke stuff and he scared people and he hurt people. And, and, and they just got to the point where when he's running through town screaming, you just go inside and shut the door. And then the first night he was up on the hillside screaming all night long. I promise you that was a scary night. 
When there's somebody, you can hear somebody screaming all night long, that, that's not a restful night. And the kids are afraid and they got the doors locked and dad's sitting there with a, uh, with a baseball bat by the door afraid somebody's going to break in and they don't know if, if somebody's killing him or he's killing somebody. And the second night it goes on and on. And the first couple of weeks it's terrifying. But you know what happens when you live next to the train tracks? You don't hear the trains anymore. And when there's a guy screaming every night, all night long, after a while, you don't hear that anymore either. It just becomes the normal background noise. And they just got used to the crazy guy who lives in the tombs and screams all night. And we just don't go up there. And if he runs through town, we lock the doors. And that's, that's just the way it is. There were probably some people who said, now, you know, that's, that's just the way he is. He's made some choices in life. Those are the choices he made, and everybody makes choices, and your choices are no better than anybody else's, and just leave him alone. There were probably folks who said, well, he was born that way, and now he's just expressing himself, so he has the right to express himself, and just leave him alone. There were others who probably said, you know, the problem was his family. He grew up in a family, and his father was uh, overbearing, and his mother was, uh, was strong, and, and, and he was, you know, he just never got his own way, and... and and he just snapped one day. Or, or, listen, he was the oldest in the family, and all the responsibility fell on him, and it was too much. And one day he just couldn't take it anymore. And that's why he's up on the hillside naked, screaming all night. Or, or listen, he, maybe he was the youngest, and he had to wear hand-me-down clothes, you know, and, and he had a rough life, and it was terrible, and his older brothers and sisters always got all the good stuff, and, and that's what made him go. Or even worse than that, he was in the middle. And he's just overlooked all the time. He's not even in the family pictures. He's just not there. And, and it just was too much for him. And, and he just snapped one day. And it's his family's fault. And it's society's fault. And it... Oh, it was when he was in the fourth grade, he got bullied. Somebody teased him about his shoes in the fourth grade. And that just warped his mind. And that's why he's up on that hillside. I promise you there were probably people who said that. And when Jesus showed up... Do you notice he didn't say anything about any of that? Listen, it all may have been true. But Jesus didn't say anything about that. Now listen closely to what I'm about to say. Jesus didn't come to fix your emotional problems and your family situation. He came to save you from your sin. And Jesus said the problem here is sin. The devil is here. And he's going to kick the devil out. Amen. You get rid of the sin problem, and then we can start working on the other stuff. As you notice, Jesus didn't say, put some clothes on him and I'll talk to him. Because naked wasn't the problem. The devil was the problem. He got the devil out. What happened? Got clothes on. He, the problem wasn't that he was crazy. The problem was the devil was there. And when the devil's gone, what's happened? Suddenly he's in his right mind. Jesus didn't come for all that stuff. He came to fix the sin problem. And when you get the sin problem fixed, other stuff tends to fall together. They didn't want to admit the problem was sin. Because if his problem is sin, maybe my problem is sin. It's better just not to think about it. Brother Creed, we had a thing when I was growing up that they don't have anymore. Fortunately, they fixed the problem. We used to have a drunk down the road. I mean, just a dirty, nasty, stumbling, falling down drunk. We don't have those anymore. Now we have people with substance issues. Because that sounds nicer. And when somebody's just an old drunk, everybody knows whose fault that is. Amen? It's the old drunk's fault. 
He's a sinner. He's an old drunk and he's a sinner and he needs Jesus. If you just got a substance issue, well, that's probably somebody else's fault. I'm smiling at you because you can't get mad at me when I smile at you. <laughs> and people don't like to admit that their problem is sin. But if you don't admit it's sin, you don't get the problem fixed. It does not get fixed. You've got to come to the place where you say, okay, it's my sin that got me here. It's my sin that started all this. Lord, I need help with my sin. I have good news for you. Jesus came and died for your sin. He did. And he can fix that, and he'll fix it just like that. We're so messed up today, we don't even know if there's a difference between male and female. And we're told that there isn't, and, and we're not supposed to say that there is, because it'll hurt somebody's feelings. Do you live stream? This may be your last one for a little while, because I'm about to tell the truth, amen. And that's a little more than some can handle. I'm going to be ugly, but I'm going to tell you the truth. There are only two genders, male and female. And I know the foolishness today is that, well, there are only two sexes, male and female, but there's 148 genders. No, they are the same thing. There's only two. Your Bible says, male and female created he them. You were born one of those. You were born one of those. Whatever, whichever one you were born is what you are and you will always be. You can't change that. It's not possible. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear. It doesn't matter how many hormones you take. It doesn't matter what you have cut off and sewn on. You are what you were born and you always will be. Always will be. Now, uh, was that delicate enough? <laughs> and, and after you're dead, a hundred years from now, if they dig up your body and they test a very simple test on your bones, you know what they'll know? They'll know what you were born. Because that's what you still are. Amen? Always and forever. That's what we call, ready now? Hang on. Science. Don't be a science denier. Amen? That's real live science is what that is. Now, if you were born one and you choose to live as the other, doesn't matter which way you want to go. If you were born female and you want to be male, or you were born male and you want to live as female, your problem, listen closely now, is that you are living in rebellion against what God made you. Amen. And that is called sin. That sin of rebellion is what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. It's the original sin. Amen? That's the beginning place of all of our issues is rebellion against God. And if you choose to live as the opposite of what God made you, you're living in rebellion against God. The problem is sin. Jesus died for your sin. You get the sin fixed. I know there are mental issues that go with it. I understand. There are emotional issues that go with it. But listen to this again. I want to say this again very carefully. Jesus didn't die for your mental and emotional issues. He died because of your sin. And your mental and emotional issues will not be fixed until you get the sin problem taken care of. Once he takes care of the sin problem, he will help you with your mental and emotional problems. But you've got to come to the place where you admit it's sin, and then there's a solution. If you don't admit it's sin, there is no solution, and it doesn't get better, it gets worse. It gets, just check the statistics. And the number of people who go down that path who end up taking their own life. Why? Because it doesn't get better. It gets worse. 
because you're just running down the path, rebelling against God over and over and over and over again. And we don't like to admit that it's sin, and that way we can go on with it. So, well, we, we don't have drunks and perverts and all that in our church, and okay, fine. There are plenty of things that church people do that we don't like to admit are sin either. Amen. It's true. Stuff like pride, bitterness, anger, gossip. Can, can I just tell you a secret? More churches have been destroyed by bitterness than by a guy who walks in in a dress. Really, a whole lot more. Why, why does that happen in churches? Well, because we don't like to admit that it's sin. Well, you know, that's just the way I see it. That's just my opinion. That's just... Well, you better make sure it's not sin. Because if it's sin, it's going to grow. And it's going to spread. And you better make sure it's not bitterness. And it's not pride. And it's not hatefulness. And Because those things will destroy the work of God. You don't want that to happen. You've got to come back to God and say, Yes, my attitude was sinful. God, I need that fixed. And God can fix that. Amen? He'll fix it for you. They told him to leave because he was pointing out their sin, and they didn't want to admit their sin. Secondly, they told him to leave because he threatened their lifestyle. Look at verse 14. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. Their main livelihood in the whole area was built on pig farming. This was a herd of 2,000 pigs. That's a lot of pigs. That's a lot of pigs now. And we're talking Bible days in a farming society. I, I talked to a guy whose family was in the professional pork production business. They raise pigs to sell to slaughterhouses and all that. Thank God for people who do that. Amen. <laughs> I love bacon and sausage. and mm, Thank God for those people. But anyway, that's what their whole livelihood is built on. And I asked, I asked the guy, how big is your herd that you produce professionally and sell to these massive places? He said, we have from 14 to 1600 animals at any given time. That's now in a professional setting that's feeding thousands of people. Here in Bible days, there are 2000. That's not just one guy's little herd of pigs. That's every pig in the whole area is up there. Everybody's pigs. That's like, uh, they've just run down the hill and drowned themselves. That's like the only industry in your town. Suddenly goes upside down and everybody's laid off and there's no work. It's just gone. You see, their lifestyle was just threatened severely. But think with me for a minute now. They are on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And there's a somewhat mixed population, yet these people are still predominantly Jews. And they are bound by the law that says to them, they're not supposed to eat pork, they're not supposed to touch pigs, they're not supposed to be around pigs. Does that help you understand why when, when the devil said, can we go into the pigs, Jesus didn't argue with them. He said, yes, you may go into the pigs. It, it killed two birds with one stone, amen? It got this man delivered and took care of their rebellion against God. The whole area was in rebellion already against God. It helps you understand why the devils wanted to stay in that area. Because any place people are in rebellion against God is the devil's playground. It is. And now they're all gone. And these people didn't come and say, Jesus, 
please tell us what to do next. They said, just go away. Just go away. You messed with our lifestyle. You know what I learned, Brother Creed? There are a lot of people who don't want to go to hell. But there are also a lot of people who don't want Jesus to mess with their lifestyle. They want to keep their lifestyle. Can I tell you a little secret? Jesus wants to mess with your lifestyle. He does. He wants to be part of everything. All the decisions, all the direction, everything going on in your life, he wants to be part of it. He wants to have his hands in all of it. He wants you to go to him about all of it and find out what he has to say. He wants to mess with your lifestyle. And when when their lifestyle was threatened, their response was just go away. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to talk about it. Here's what Matthew Henry, the, the Bible commentator, said. Being loath to quit either their sins or the swine, they chose rather to abandon the Savior. They didn't want to give up their pigs. They didn't want to give up their sin. So they just told Jesus to go away. Just like a lot of people today. A lot of people today. Number three, they told him to go away because he was forcing them to make a decision. You see, by being there, they either had to listen to what he had to say or reject him. And so they chose what they thought was a third option. They said, we just don't want to talk about it. Just go away. The sad truth is, though, there is no third option. You see, to not accept him is to reject him. You know, John 3.16 Quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 is a wonderful verse. He that believeth on him is, uh, uh, excuse me, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't that wonderful? You know what verse 18 says? He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You say, well, I just don't want to think about it. Then you're already condemned. You don't have to reject Jesus. You don't have to shake your fist in his face. You don't have to stomp on the Bible. You don't have to spit on the preacher and run out the back door. All you have to do is make it through your life without ever accepting Jesus. And you're already condemned. Because you haven't believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I didn't make that up. That's what your Bible says. That's a scary thought, isn't it? These people said, we don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. Just go away. Jesus gets in the boat and goes. Maybe you're one of those. Listen, if you've you've talked to very many people or handed out very many tracts or seen people and, and tried to give them the gospel, you've had somebody say to you somewhere along the line, I'm going to do that someday. Someday I'll go to church. Someday I'll get right with God. Someday I'll get saved. I'm going to do that. Before I die, preacher, I'm going to settle that before I die. That's good. Wonderful. We can make a deal with you. If you will tell us when you're going to die, and you've got to be pretty specific. We need, we need not just the year. We need the month, the week, the day. That's what we need. If you will tell us what that date is, can we put that on? The, do you make the calendars for the church and all that? Oh, Bethany, Bethany, if we find out what day they're going to die, can we put that in the computer? And then when you print out the calendar for next year of July, whatever, it'll say, you know, Frederick's going to kick the bucket on Thursday. We can do that? Okay. It'll be in there. And and you know what we'll do on Wednesday? 
If you're going you're gonna to die on Thursday, on Wednesday, the preacher and his wife, maybe even a couple other folks, come by your house with Bibles and, and go through the gospel with you, give you a chance to be saved. Isn't that cool? What a great deal. Amen? There's only one, one glitch in the whole system. And that is you don't know what day you're going to die. You don't have any idea. So, well, well, I was diagnosed with this and the doctor said I have three years. The doctor doesn't have any idea. You might have four, but you might have two. And you know what else can happen? Something other than what you're diagnosed with could kill you before the, that time's up. You could go out here on the road and get in an accident and go off into eternity just like that. Wouldn't that be something? That's why the Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, because God didn't give you tomorrow, but he gave you today. And if you tell Jesus to go away today, what if something happens tonight? That's too big of a risk. Far too big of a risk, because you're messing with all of eternity. When you take that gamble, that is most certainly not worth it. And they said, we don't, we don't want to think about it. We just want him to go away. And he got in the boat and he left. Don't tell him to go away. The man who's delivered, he wanted to go with Jesus. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to go with you. And Jesus said, nope, you can't go. I got a job for you. I want you to go home and tell everybody what God did for you today. And the Bible tells us not only did he go home, he then went throughout the whole area of Decapolis, everywhere on that side of the Sea of Galilee, and told everybody. Can you imagine? This guy's coming through town, and you know his reputation. You know who he was, and you know the story of his life. And, and they'd say, aren't, weren't you the, aren't you the crazy guy? And he'd say, well, that, yep, that's what I was. And then, you'll never believe it, I met this guy called Jesus. And he transformed everything. You need to know Jesus. I promise you, when you get to heaven, there are going to be some people from an area called Decapolis who are there because they met this man, this man pointed them to Jesus, and they decided to follow Jesus. You know what else you're going to find a million years from now? Some people who were right there on the sand of the seashore, looking Jesus right in the eye, who went to hell, and they're still there today, and they will be forever. Because when Jesus was standing there, they said, you need to go away. And he went. How sad is that? You know, you can walk out the door in a minute. And you'll walk out that door either having at some point in your life trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior or else telling him yet again to go away. Be careful. You don't know how many more opportunities you have. When Jesus is standing right there, the best thing you can do is accept him right then and there. Not to wait and say, oh, I'll do it at Christmas. I'm coming back at Christmas. I'll, I'll do that at Christmas. No, you, no, no, too far away. You better do it while you have the opportunity, while he's standing right there, inviting you to trust him. Same person, don't tell Jesus to get out of your life either. I've met, I've met saved folks. They're saved, they're on their way to heaven, and yet they've, they've taken areas of their life and said, Jesus, get out of that one and that one and that one. I'm going to take that for myself. That's a dumb thing to do. Don't, don't tell him to go away. Tell him to get in there and stay. He wants to be part of your life. 
Don't keep him out of all those areas. Let him in. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we could be here this morning. Lord, thank you for the story of this man who was such a horrendous mess. And yet Jesus changed everything. Lord, there are some stories, no doubt, from people in this room who were an awful mess. And then they met Jesus and everything changed. God, I pray that if there's somebody here without Christ today, that they'd get saved before it's too late. For each and every saved person, God, I pray that we would, we would not tell you to go away out of different areas of our life, but we'd ask you to stay. We'll be careful to give you all the honor and glory for what you do in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. Preacher. Remaining with our heads bowed and our eyes closed in just, just a moment. If you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, say amen. 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 And uh, if you do not, today's the day to accept him. I sat there as he spoke about the lifestyle. This probably, this probably didn't happen to you, but the Holy Spirit just sort of, a light came on and the Holy Spirit said, what in your lifestyle needs to go? What, what lifestyle, part of your lifestyle, causes you to be, be, choose between being at church and not? What, what in your lifestyle takes you away from the best to settle for second best? Well, we have the hobbies and we have the activities. Do we have the right, are we at the right place of employment? Are, are we, are, are we, are we in step with God in our lifestyle? We always have things to do. Would you, would you take a moment? Let God speak to your heart. If God spoke to your heart and moved on your heart, take time to come to the altar as a piano plays. You come.
want you to give us a highlight of the prayer list. Give me a couple ushers here. Help me out. Help me out, guys. There we go. Well, you figured that out real quick. This is love offering for the uh, for the Rogers. Um, uh, we we really can't put a dollar amount on what how God uses them when they come. Uh, they're sort of special, and um, uh, so we we really need to dig deep and give a good love offering. If you can't this morning, do it tonight. But we want to be a blessing to these folks. They go to churches double and triple the size of our churches and and they don't they don't consider people the same way we do here at faith independent god has blessed us here because our faithfulness and other reasons but he's blessed us because we treat the servants of god that minister to us amen the best we can and uh you have been a part of that so let's do that once again Amen. So let's pray. Brother Frank, pray for the offering. Lord God, just uh, thank you for who you are. And thank you for the grace of all, Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, it is a privilege to come before your throne because of the bloodshed of Jesus. Lord, just pray for the Rogers. Just pray you'd meet their every need, Father God. And just pray for the church, Lord God, that we just need more and more Jesus, Father God. And uh, Lord, we, we, we just pray that... Uh, we would never say no to you, Jesus, and always yes. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Here you go. All right, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Let's continue to pray for our um, bereaved families, the recent bereaved families uh, who are uh, grieving over lost loved ones. Let's pray especially for the Prasad family. We're coming up, uh, I believe tomorrow is a year anniversary I don't know if you want to call it an anniversary. A year, it marks a year since Brother Ian was taken from us. So be praying, praying for uh, their family. I know they're going to they're kind of reliving everything again. So be praying for God to strengthen and, and comfort them uh, as they're as they're uh, as they're grieving. Pray for our uh, individual individual requests, our unspoken requests. All the folks that have unspoken requests. Uh, be praying for them and lifting those up to the Lord that God would answer them according to per- his perfect will. And his pastor said, praise the Lord, Sister Bean is back with us. Amen. Good to see her. Um, be praying for Brother Ayuk uh, as he has decisions to be made about his career, about what, what he's going to be doing, what God has, wants him to do. Um, just be praying that God will open the door and show him uh, what he has in mind for him. Uh, Continue to pray for uh, Sister Kathy DeGenero as she gets her skin graft uh, on her leg from the coffee spill. Amen. From the biopsy, yeah. Okay, well, amen. So be, be lifting her up that God, she would continue to heal. And pray for uh, Sister Sharita's um, uh, friend, Anita, Juanita. It's in PT for a pulled ligament, and she might have to have surgery. So be lifting her up that God would heal her. And continue to pray for uh, Brother Cornelius' uh, mom, who is recovering from a stroke. 
and praise the Lord, she's doing better. So be, keep praying for her and pray for Brother Frank's health. He was he was uh, out last week. We just continue to pray for him. It's good to see you, brother. You feeling better? Amen. 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 How's your son? What's what's going on with? Amen. Yeah, that's that's youth, right? Right. He does. Amen. Amen. That's that's right. Uh, so we continue to pray for him. Pray for um, Sister Hazel's health, and pray for uh, uh, pray she struggles with the loss of her sister, and pray um, for Miss Mona. She's taking care of her mom, for strength and wisdom as she as she works a job and takes care of her mom. Also pray for all the folks we haven't seen here in church in a while. And be reach, reaching out to them if you, you think think of it uh, to see how they're doing and to, to get them get them back here. Um, pray for the Kearneys. Uh, Pastor, have you heard anything from Brother Kearney? Um, he worked on helping a, a had somebody pass away, and uh, he had to work through that with them, and so he's helped them. Uh, he's also. Uh, got the brick machine back together, got all that stuff back, ready to go. He's got Amen. a security guard. Um, the uh, He has not been able to build because the Muslim, the, 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 the mosque next door, the guy that runs the mosque, sent a letter that he, he wasn't, a, wasn't for them building. And he's the same guy that did not have permits when he built so we talked about some ways to go to, to sort of kind of put the screws. Of course, over there in Ghana, Abina knows about this. You don't you don't shame people or do things over there. Really, you don't. It's it's different from America, and so you know if you give them a bunch of money, you can get away with anything. So uh-huh. especially those those people in in. Uh, but the 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 Muslims over there are pretty strong in this. They don't they they feel like that's property where we're. Fred is where they have one of other churches. There is their property. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're just, wow. and so uh, just pray for that. Pray for that, and uh, continue to pray for God's spider meat. Amen. Pray for Brother Miss Keys. Pray for their health, and and pray for their uh, friend um, uh, that uh, friends uh, Tom and Alan Doherty. Pray for their salvation that they get saved. Pray for uh, Pam Dove Seaton as she's in Nashville waiting for a heart transplant. Any word from her? Or she, she's there. Okay. Pray. She hasn't had it. Yeah. Pray for uh, Pastor's health and wisdom in preparation for sermons podcast. Pray for his plans for growing ministry and pray for Miss Creed's health and uh, strength. And pray for um, their her uh, Miss Creed's. Uh, nephew Sawyer, that's, that's your nephew, right? Who has re-injured his knee? So be praying that that God would heal him. Wow. Mm. Wow. Mm. 
we'll be lifting him up in prayer. Pray for our general requests, our mission commitments, our nation, our nation's leaders, uh, that those that are saved will live for the Lord and make good decisions, and those that aren't will get saved. Pray for our uh, church, church family. And pray for our bus ministry, our, our um, Sunday school, our folks recently saved, uh, the discipleship program, our church planning, as Pastor was saying, that uh, God would open the door that we could uh, plant a church in the area. Pray for um, our uh, next outreach Sunday, next next Sunday, uh, November 5th at 3.30. So it's an hour earlier. So I hope I get a lot of people out there. And pray for our preacher's camp coming up on uh, January 8th to the 12th, 2024, that uh, God will send men for that. And pray for our sister churches around the country and world, lost loved ones, pastors, churches without pastors, um, our first responders, military, our nurses, doctors, and all of the nation's kids, especially the ones in public school, and, and uh, the Nigerian political situation, and pray for Tabernacle Baptists that they, <laughs> they got somebody in there that, that really uh, the church might be going in a different direction. That's not good. So be praying for that God to work in that situation. And um, any any additional requests or updates? Anybody have anything? Clarence Sexton, Dr. Clarence Sexton, he was bitten by a brown recluse spider. He's wow. in he's in rehab. He's not getting any better. That's a problem. Mm. Ulet is having his voice box taken out. So he's preaching his last message at his church, and then he'll probably get a voice box that that will help with that. Mm. Also, uh, talked to Jason Mead. Jason Mead, he's at Memorial Baptist Church in Brooklyn. Um, pray for them as they still try to stabilize their building. It's, it's millions and millions of dollars that they have to take people to court for. Uh, but he called me and shared with me of three churches in the New York City area without pastors. And wow. So pray, pray, pray for that. And also continue to pray for preacher's camps. Uh, we're getting to the place where we, we have to get some things in, in, in motion and get and, and really work for people to sign up. And so pray for that as, 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 as time draws near for that. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. Oh, wow. be lifting him up. He still he needs to be saved as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Hey, Darian, him. who's that fellow that was in the hospital? He's out right now. They just came home and didn't know what was wrong with him. Mm-hmm. Preston. We lifted him up in prayer. Uh, we You say Emily McQueen? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Your best friend's mom. Amen. We'll be praying for her. When's the surgery? Wednesday. Okay. All right. Yes. Yes, ma'am.
Oh, okay. Amen. 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 Anyone else have anything? I'd like to ask the church to pray for my sister, stepsister. Uh, her name is Diane Molar. She um, she needs to be saved, but her and her husband is like 86, 87 years old. They're, they live in California, and he's he's on dialysis, and there's going to come a time when he can't have dialysis anymore. It's coming close. And also, her mom is out there with them, and she is... Uh, um, living out there and she's got dementia and she's in a real bad way. She's just getting worse and she kind of fights Diane. Diane's trying to take care of her. And uh, just just be lifting her up. She's really going through a lot. And pray pray for um, pray for Brother Joe Goodman. He's having uh, uh, vehicle problems. That's why he's not here this morning, I guess. He, he uh, He's having problems with his car. So be praying that uh, he get that squared away. Anybody else have anything? Brother, would you like to stand? No, oh, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your friends? We sh- we will lift, lift your friends up in prayer that they get saved, and we're we're sure happy that you're saved. Amen. Amen. You, get, you made sure of your salvation. All right, brother. Thank you. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Great message this morning. Amen. Let's stand to be dismissed and uh, get with Brother Mark. Now, we we need to be back here. If you're going to sing, to get ready about 5 o'clock. We start at 6, but if you're going to sing, get with him. Make sure he knows if Marissa's going to play for you. Okay, I think Marissa and Darian ought to sing a duet tonight. And then uh, Horatio and... And, 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 and oh, Archie, Archie, no, no Millie with Navillian, but uh, Archie and Horatio can do the doo-wop, okay? Amen, amen. Good to see you. Let's close in prayer. Pete, close for us.
Amen. God bless you.